Hey everybody, it's Jim Sirk. Thanks for joining. I appreciate it. Um, this is that second episode where Tom Petzelt and I discuss the new era of commercialization, the new initiatives, the new uh, foundation on commercializing in these changing times. And um, I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, you know, the value that you, depending on your role, will get from it is either you're going to join a new company, you're a founder, you're launching a new product as a product marketer, developer, you're thinking about it, um, somebody who's thinking about uh, a new product and how to launch it successfully is that we really dive into this um, based on, you know, I've been involved with four mergers and acquisitions, a fifth that I was just a participant in, um, you know, active participant for 10 years in, but I cannot take credit for, for that exit at all. And um, it just goes with all that experience and that we're trying to uh, share with you what we think n needs to be done to have a successful new product commercial launch, whether it's a startup or, or, or a large mid-sized med tech company. And, um, and to and for you to ask the right questions if you're going to think about joining those companies. So the value in here is education for you. The value is being able to ask the right questions, to understand how seriously they took commercialization, how they started, and uh, where they're going to end up. So this is the first of that process that we're going to lay out over the next uh, coming months. So without further ado, let's get it. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Sark, and I am here with Tom Patzelt. And uh, Tom and I are starting this new series on uh, the uh, commercialization of products going into this new era of evolution in med tech. And uh, I'm really excited to be here. Tom, welcome back. Yep. Thanks. Great to be here, Jim. And so what we thought we would do today is talk a little bit about the first couple of steps in this, uh, in this process. And, and so the value to this audience is that if you're in product development, if you're in marketing, if you're in sales of any sort, if you're a founder and you're looking to commercialize a product, what we have seen to be the best practices over the last, you know, 25, 30 years of what we've seen and this evolution. And what we want to talk about um, is this idea, and it's prevalent. It's This isn't, you know, like a one-off. It is prevalent. I have lots of conversations with people who reach out to me to talk about, hey, can you give me some advice or some thoughts on new product launches and or uh, new startups? And the fundamental foundation that these folks I'm talking to believe is that their product will sell itself. And you've seen in some of my posts, if you're following me on LinkedIn, I talk about this um, this issue. Tom has posted about it as well on his LinkedIn, some great articles that he's written. Uh, I recommend go follow Tom, go to his LinkedIn, pull up his articles and posts, and he goes deep into this as well. That's why we're doing this because we just, you know, fundamentally have the same beliefs and you're going to see this more and more from the from pretty you know influential and knowledgeable folks in the med tech area somebody like mike moore who's a recruiter just posted something 
um, a couple things over the last week um, that are really, it, they're different, but it's the same conversation about looking at commercialization holistically, looking at commercialization as an investment as you would invest in an FDA launch. Um, and that's what we're really trying to hone in on. So the series of podcasts will really revolve around this um, this process this initiative around commercialization and all the things that are associated with it. And uh, I put out a post, I don't know, I think it was a week ago, a little over a week ago. It said, you know, ask these three questions before you go to a startup. And really the idea behind that is to um, understand for you, I don't care, you know, who you are, if you're you're a sales rep or if you're um, a uh, um a marketing person, like I said, and you're looking to go to a startup, ask these three questions so that they understand or you understand how seriously they took um, commercializing this product before you got before you go there and, and start that job. So we're going to talk about this now with this, you know, product will sell itself delusional syndrome that I call it. And um, and while I think. You know, a lot of these products are, are really great. And Tom, I think you'd agree there's a lot of great products out there that just don't make it. And they don't make it because of a lot of different reasons that should have been found out 12 months before they actually launched the product. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody, you know, it's kind of it's in all facets of business, not just medical device. Um, and, it, you know, just because you have a great product. Uh, it, it means it has a great product means it has potential, right? But, but there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, whether a product gets adopted and a lot of it is on the success and how, how the company executes on it, on the actual selling of the product. So yeah. that's why the commercialization is so important is, you know, there, there's, it's, it's basically, you want to go into something. Thing winging it, or do you want to go at something with knowledge and a plan to prepare and be successful? Yeah, and it's um, and it's this idea that when we talk about and prepare, that it is taking nine to twelve months before you commercialize. Not getting it, you're going to have FDA approval in ninety days, or you just got approval, and now you're looking to hire, you know, your your sales team, and then just go execute and say these three things because people think that the product is so great it's going to sell itself, but there's a lot of more market forces that are going to, you know, be a challenge. <laughs> They're natural obstacles um, to getting a product out there and the, those features that you have in this product. And I say features because a lot of times companies are launching it. And Tom, you just posted an article this week on um, that you, that you took out of a, a report from a couple years ago that said features better, cheaper, faster are, are not a way to approach a market. Yet a lot of times that's what companies are saying. Hey, it's just better. You know, look at these features. It's cheaper. It's faster. And then you launch a sales force and you run into these natural obstacles. And no matter how great your product is, you're not going to be able to overcome those natural obstacles. And, you know, some of those obstacles, in my opinion, are busy people just don't want to change. It takes time and attention um, to bring a disruptive product to the market. And I'm, I am talking disruptive products. I'm talking new products. I mean, if you're selling a commodity, there's challenges behind that that are even more 
extreme to try to overcome, but let's talk about novel technologies. Um, competition that's out there for your product, right? That's a natural obstacle. Loyalty from everyone. And so um, while the competition, you know, you'd say the doctor and facility um, have a loyalty to a product, loyalty, in my opinion, actually goes from the doctor to the local rep to the local manager, all the way to the company. So they're working with the company now as companies get more involved with the individual doctor on a local level. Um, hospital VAC committees. I mean, what an obstacle that has become. I remember when that thing launched and started, you know, 20 some odd years ago and where we're at today, you know, I, I'm surprised we don't need an act of Congress to get a product into a hospital. Reimbursement's an issue, right? Um, and uh, change in general, in this time frame, and what we're going through is not something people are rushing to, right? We've had a lot of disruption over the last two years, and now it's like, oh, you're bringing me a new product? I don't even want to talk about that, right? It's, it's, just, uh, it's just something that's not on people's minds. So the product's great, but what value is it going to deliver to the marketplace? And uh, that's where... It's that I talk about that multi-headed customer. It's for everyone. And you have to overcome these challenges. And you're not going to do it 90 days before or after an FDA launch hiring 20 people to go attack a market. Tom? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, a, you know, the big difference, you know, there's kind of a, you, you mentioned that better, cheaper, faster, right? Yeah. And there's such a huge difference between being able to look at a product and, and decide if you want to invest in that company um, versus what do you have to know to give a rep a chance for success? You need to know so much more for that part. And, and so it's easy to say, well, this is better, cheaper, faster, so the market's going to adopt it. But to your point, okay, so who? who which, which person is most likely you know, to find this product to be of interest? Um, you know, what is the uh what is the the motivations that they have and how strong are they um you know these are it's the tactical thing of nothing happens until this multi-headed buyer nods their head in agreement and says okay yeah we're gonna do this or you can do this and so you know you just need to be and and obviously there's a lot of salespeople in this audience and they know very well that each of those people has different interests and it's a nuanced approach to each one. And, you know, again, the, the more you can be prepared, the faster you can get to a point where you know how to overcome those obstacles, the faster the company's, uh, the sales will be made and the company's product will be adopted. Yeah. And so, so what have we, you know, just really said just now, and this is the last, you know, five or six minutes is that this is all about being able to, have a successful product launch for product adoption, and that is done by arming the sales organization, the commercial organization, having the best tools, the best training, the best messaging that's aligned to the multi-headed customer so that when they walk out the door, they're not getting their teeth kicked in for the first time, right? It's, you yeah. know, yeah, right? I mean, it, everybody in this audience has had their teeth kicked in in a, in a sales situation, and it's not fun. It's not productive. You know, your morale is, is, is wiped out, your motivation. You know, I mean, obviously, you, you got to be resilient and overcome that. But 
I think we'd all agree if we can help uh, reduce the number of times that happens, everyone's going to be better off. Yeah, and and it comes down to so the, so we're talking about this, you know, this the commercial team right has historically been thought of as I said as an afterthought after FDA approval. Right, you've had your marketing person in place with market development, some downstream and upstream marketing things that are going um, that are taking place, but. That's not where the commercial initiative starts, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. And so, because it's thought of as an afterthought, we as an or we as an industry, and this is you know for this audience that's listening to us, at, go back to that post I talked about. Ask those three questions. You'll understand. I will guarantee you 90% of the companies you talk to, I don't care if it's a big company that's launching a product in a new division and they're hiring salespeople, or it's a startup mid-sized company that's launching a new product, 90% of those companies will not have the answer to those three questions that will be suitable for you to be able to execute. And you still can go and it, and it still has a chance to be successful, but know that you are going to be the one that's going to be learning about the market as you're getting your teeth kicked in, right? Yes, no doubt. Right. And, and there's more risk to that. There's more, you know, it's more challenging. Um, you know, obviously, when you go with a small company, you, you know, you probably have sort of that safe cracker mentality and you're, you're resilient and you're like, that's okay. I, I expect there are going to be some bumps and do it. But there's bumps and then there's mountains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we, and, and also, you, you want to be part of an organization that was successful. It's great to say I, was, I made President's Club, but it's great to say I made President's Club with a company that exited for a billion dollars. That's correct. And now everybody wants to hire you. So I think that your post was great, and I urge everybody to check it out if they haven't, because it's a, it's a very simple way to sort of screen and filter potential employers. Yeah. And so, um, so like we're saying, commercialization is a process, right? Commercialization, commercialization is as important as getting FDA approval. Now, me saying that, I can see people that I've worked with in the past that are squirming in their chair saying, no, the product's great. You don't need to invest all this money in pre-commercialization. And I'm saying, no, you have to even more so today because of those natural obstacles that we talked about. And so what, what does that mean? We as an industry, we need to check our egos at the door. We need to check that 2008 time frame ego at the door and the way we used to do things and think about how we have to do things differently. And and what is where does that start, right? So giving you this thought process of, Okay, so Jim, that's great, but you know what are we really talking about? We're talking about creating a an alignment culture around commercialization, the commercialization process with all departments. That initiative has to start once again nine to twelve months before you launch a product. And I would ask this question: Does R and D and marketing do those two teams understand that they are responsible for the sales team's success? No, most people won't think that, right, Tom? Yeah, I think you run into, I think that is true and um, that there are a lot of people that, it, it, and I would put this in the in the more broad context of a company is, you know, uh, early stage companies are really 
primarily focused on on getting to the market and meaning that they're going to have FDA clearance or you know whatever global regulatory clearance, um, and they're going to have reimbursement in place. Um, and you know, so all the you know the the foundational elements to be successful, but uh, and and how you operate as a company there is different. And so everybody tends to be focused on this one goal, and you have a number of years to kind of align around it. But once you you transition to being a commercial company, it requires a massive cultural change in the company, and so that that cultural shift is something that. Um, it can if you if you don't plan for it, it's going to be brutal because you're going to once again it's learning by making making mistakes and this is where you get fights between the executive team and nobody's on the same page and and you know initiatives stall etc. Yeah. So yeah, it's- I, I I think I think your point is it's important to get everybody on the same page and understand that we have to operate differently. Now we have to build this whole connection to the market where information is flowing from the commercial team into the company and that's a big way of how we learn and how we adjust yeah and it's that that alignment and that alignment what we're talking about of this change of this initiative is actually sitting down with r&d so let's say the vp of marketing vp of sales are hired 12 months before a launch those two need to be conjoined twins You'll hear me say that all the time. There should never be this argument between sales and marketing. There should never be this, oh, they didn't do that, and they don't do that, and this is wrong, and that's wrong. No, you have to come together as one team. And with marketing sales being conjoined uh, twins, they then sit down with the R&D team, say, okay, you've developed this product. And now we're going to engage with that R&D team at a deeper level to understand them. And we'll get more into that on other podcasts, but I want to lay out this alignment. And then, so you got marketing, you got sales, you got R&D. Now let's go talk to the, um, the medical affairs team and the clinical team and understand where their perspective is on this product. And, and while I'm saying this, it's what value do these team members think this product or service you're going to launch is providing to the marketplace, you will find that it is incredibly different in everyone's mind, yet at the same time, it's fairly similar, but they're using different words to explain it. And that in itself of using different concepts to explain the value can cause friction. And so what we're talking about is sitting down with this team prior to all that, aligning and then getting the marketing team, getting sales, getting R&D, clinical, medical affairs on the same page because we were coming back to them through this process and, and sharing with them what we're learning and we'll get into that a little bit more and get their input and, and uh, take on it because it actually will provide incredible value for product innovation and iteration as we're, we're doing this commercialization process. I was at a company and um, and this goes along and I was hired first first person sales to build a sales organization and somebody on the uh, clinical field team engineering team came to me and said sales reps are not smart enough to sell this product you have to hire all engineers to sell this product and maybe you should just have two regional managers to lead those folks but you cannot hire salespeople now you could imagine my face <laughs> right and, um, you know, and just this is on my first day at the company. Right. 
and I was handed this, uh, you know, I'll call it a plan and read the plan and was like, yeah, we're not doing this. Um, but, and obviously we didn't, but what was interesting to me though, is that there was, there was a marketing department, right? And this is being given to me by field lead clinical engineer. Where's the alignment, right? So, yeah, I mean, that, that's just, you know, and, and not to, this is not about finger pointing, but no. the reality, it's just like anything else. There's a failure of leadership for that moment to occur. And what we're trying to do is, you know, it, it, the advocate, we're advocating that, listen, be mindful about this transition. You know, know that it's something the company has to go through. Know um, how to smartly attack this so it's smoother and experiences like that don't happen. Exactly. And that's the point. And actually, it, it worked out perfectly fine in the end, but it took me six months to undo that and then bring the team right. back together, right? Now, which was fine, you know, it, it worked out, but th that should have, that those type of things still happen today. And they shouldn't be happening, right? It sh shouldn't be just tell these people these things and everything will be fine. It's about that alignment. And that's what we're talking about is bringing this organization closer together, building this team, understanding what it takes to commercialize a product. One of the issues that I've always seen and uh, Tom Griffin, who was the CFO over at Intellis, said to me, um, he goes, you know why everybody's always picking on sales, and I was like, no, I have no idea why <laughs> we're doing a pretty good job. He goes, because everybody can see it, right? Everybody can see it. Everybody has an opinion. He goes, you don't comment on the, the accounting team. And I'm like, no, I don't because you don't see it. And I thought that was really insightful because we're the most exposed. So if we bring people together and share what it really takes to commercialize a product, especially in these days, um, then that alignment will become so much smoother where you and I did that in Intellis, right? We came together right off the bat, conjoined twins. We didn't agree on everything, but at the end of the day, we executed and we went out as one. And eventually we brought in R&D. We brought in everyone that we possibly could to help us with this commercialization. And that was where a lot of product innovation took place is because of that, um, the success that we had there. So, um, but that's a cultural thing. So that's a cultural alignment process that's um, changing the way things have been done historically over the years and thinking about it more constructively as a commercialization, as a function, as an initiative, as important as getting FDA a clearance. And um, so once we do that, okay, and that's done, the first step is on this um, qualitative research. And I am no expert at qualitative research, but my friend Tom here is and that's where once you have that alignment that we've talked about in the past and you know kind of went over now is that you go to this qualitative research so everybody's on the same page then we go here and tom just share with us what what your thoughts are on qualitative um research yeah so um as you mentioned you we talked about it being the first step and so you know the question is why, why is this the first step, you know, and, and it always comes back to the first sales call. Um, we want our first sales call for every rep to be as successful as possible. So what are the things that have to be in place for that? Well, they know who to target. Uh, they've got an effective selling story for each of the 
key stakeholders that they will be selling to. Um, they've got they're well trained to sell our product, so they're confident. They know how how to manage those conversations, and they've got the right resources that they need to do it. So if if those if that's our goal, and I think you know it's hard. I would submit that's hard to argue against that as a goal. Um, then we need to learn more about those stakeholders. We need to know who's going to be uh, interested in buying this product so that we can develop a winning plan for our, our sales reps. And so this is the first step in that process. Well, I think it's important that you said, so you know, we're doing this initial first step with the thought in mind of having a successful sales call 12 months from now. Absolutely. And, and the, you know, when you talk about the 12 months, you know, why is it that? Well, because, you know, obviously it varies depending on the product complexity, et cetera. But as a, as a rule of thumb, it's going to take you that long to get the answers to those questions, to develop the value propositions, to develop the resources, the training, everything. If you want this to go smoothly at the start. And oh, by the way, um, companies are measured on their sales ramp as one of the most important things for their exit valuation. So, uh, you know. Once you start selling, the clock is ticking. So that's again, point. do you want? How do you want this to go? Right. That's I, I think point. you want you want to get out of the gate as fast as possible for every reason. And yeah. it's it's if you think about the cost of investment of what we're talking about doing compared to well, what's the value of being confident that you have a great sales ramp? I mean, yeah. You know, I, I think that's kind of self evident that yeah, and so it's what worth it. So you're doing this qualitative research as we talked about. So you're reducing all those obstacles that we've talked about. You can't eliminate them, but you're reducing the impact. You are um, going to be able to overcome them quicker. You're going to have the answers to overcome them versus going out there, getting your teeth kicked in and teaching the organization what you've learned um, nine months after a launch where your sales ramp isn't going the way you thought it would go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's it. Yeah. So what does what does qualitative research mean? Right. That's a great question. Um, so qualitative research is, is a type of market research. Um, you'll hear some people talk about voice of customer. Um, it's not exactly the same thing, uh, but it can sort of they are used interchangeably. And, you know, basically, again, this is just trying to learn about the market to get those answers. So there's two types of, of market research, qualitative and quantitative. So qualitative is uh, research that's done with either interviews or focus groups. And it, we use it as a way to explore topics that we don't know a lot about. And that's typically when a company's at this stage, they don't know a lot about you know, the community-based physicians and hospitals and uh, you know, even patients sometimes you know, who are going to be the drivers of the success. So, You've got to go learn about them. And so qualitative research um, is a way to figure out it, it's got a lot of open ended questions and it's a way to figure out what the important issues and concerns are um, for as well as, frankly, who the players are that are going to be influential in, in the product purchase and utilization. So let me ask you this question, Tom, when you've done this qualitative research, how many times or how often, I should say, has does it happen where a product is being built and um, they they believe it has this value or this feature has value, and it to you know the end user um, 
you know, whoever that may be, you know, the stakeholder of that feature, that it, that they just don't find it that important and they actually find something else more important. Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time. And, and you know, I, I would say all the time. I mean, you, I've never done uh, or received uh, qualitative research from anyone that didn't have some eye-opening things here like, huh, didn't see that coming. And it makes a profound difference in one of those key success factors um, that we're looking at, you know. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's again to anticipate. You may have, you may have, you may have. Let's say this: a good example. You know, let's say you've developed a product and you think, "Wow, this is going to improve clinical outcomes in this way," and we've got data that says that. So we need to go out and tell people that, right? Yeah. So, but if you're in a pandemic, the first thing they're probably thinking about is not necessarily that problem. They're, they're probably thinking about surviving like we all, you know, have been. So it's, they might be much more concerned about their operational efficiency. You know, there's yeah. no staffing, et cetera. So what, when you talk to them about the product, they may say, well, yeah, that's great, but hang on a minute. What did you say? Did you say that the procedure time is reduced? Yeah. Well, now I'm really interested. So again, to know that now, think about how that changes. Think about how the sales brochures are going to be different now that we know that. Think yeah. about the website. Everything is affected by learning that. And it's you can't anticipate it. It's not a fault of anybody who's been involved in the company. It's just the next stage of the process. Yeah, and this is just refining that process. It's like you said, it's nobody's fault. Historically, things have just been done the way they've done, and it always you know, it's hard to change, but we're talking about, you know, a change here in how we approach commercialization. And um, what I, what you also, it's, it, you know, people are picking up on this. It's like what you just said means that the, the first 20 sales people don't have to learn that in the first 90 days, right? Exactly. And, and, and think about this it's a, to your alignment question. Let's say we didn't do this research and we didn't know that. And the sales reps come out and they say, I can't even get in a conversation about clinical data and you're like what are you talking about they're like they're just stressed out because of the pandemic and you know they're only interested in how can i be more productive sure well now think about how so there's two things one the you know engineers founders whoever may start fighting with them and say oh no when we were working on this two years ago that's not what we heard and it's like well I don't know if you were talking to the right people. And oh, by the way, the pandemic came. So things changed. Right. So for whatever the reason is, you know, you got to know what, what is going to resonate with the multi-headed buyer, not just in theory, if this product is adopted, the world will be a better place, right? Yeah. You got to know that individual impact based on the individual concerns of those folks. And that's why we do this work. Yeah. And so, so, what are what specifically so for this audience, you know, and they're they're thinking about joining a new division, a new product launch, a new startup. Um, what would you say some the the main goals are of qualitative market research? Yeah, well, a lot of people who read my, my stuff online will know I, I ask this question all the time: Who is going to buy and why? As the first thing, and when when I say that, um, I mean exactly who is going to buy and why. So let me give you an example. Um, so one answer to that question, who's going to buy and why, could be cardiologists, right? Sure. So we're, our target is cardiologists, right? So you're a sales rep. How helpful is that to you? 
right? It's yeah. like, well, call in cardiologists. Well, do you know how many there are in my territory? You know, uh, which ones? Well, cardiologists, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, okay. So the answer the sales rep is looking for is you should go find community-based cardiologists who do 400 stent procedures a year that are looking for a better way to ac access percutaneous vessels because their procedures are taking their too long. And oh, by the way, these are, these are people who are willing to try something new. Right. Well, you think about that now, now you're a sales rep and you've got faces of people from your territory, you know, they're like, Oh, now I know who I'm looking for. Or you've got the qualifying questions or guess what? We can go buy data for you. That's going to uh, help identify who these people are. So, so you can just see right away. It's like, uh, by knowing who's going to buy, who's going to buy, we've already narrowed their world and given them a chance for many more successful calls. Yeah. Um, and the, there's another half to this. So the one part is the who, and then there's the why, right? And as you mentioned, there was that recent post that talked about, well, you know, and you'll hear people say, well, you're going to buy it because it's better, cheaper, and faster than what you do now. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and, and well, okay, that's not really sufficient. You know, what are we, what are we looking for? Well, we need to know, you know, how it's going to bring value to them, you know? When we're talking about the components of value, which you've espoused for many years, clinical, strategic, and economic, right? You know, so so what is that going to be? So what we're looking for, what we really want as who's going to buy is something more like you know when I buy or use this product, my patients spend less time under anesthesia, and there's a reduced chance for bleeding. So that means they're going to have fewer events, and that gives me better outcomes, and it gives me an edge in terms of my practice, yeah. so that I can market or use this to get a better offer from a hospital or make more money, you know, and, and shorter and reliable procedures means my per procedure profitability go up. So now I may get paid more, especially for value-based care. And, and, you know, I can do more procedures per day or I can wrap my day up earlier. So that's the level of the conversation the sales reps going to have. So if we don't provide this to them, then they're going to have to learn this by essentially failing many, many times yeah. over months um, before we hone into this story. Yeah, no, and that's and that's that, that's great stuff there. So, and when we, you know we talk about this, the 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 sad fact is is that the turnover rate in startups in the first, the, let's call them the class, the first class hired of twenty is incredibly high, and it's incredibly high because they're learning everything that should have been learned before. So what you're doing, once again, is minimizing that impact on the turnover rate, which impacts the sales ramp, which impacts the economics of the company. I mean, you can see how this all ties back to a successful launch. And yet, we as an industry just haven't thought about it that deeply, even though we know that it, that this is so critical. So what are some of the types of questions that you're going to explore in this um, uh in this first attempt at qualitative research? Yeah. So, you know, it's just like everything else. You have a plan going in and, <laughs> and you adjust as you uh, learn. So, you know, you have goals of what you want to come out of it. You have an interview guide with a list of here's questions and topics that I want to cover. Um, and then, but it's conversational. It's like this call. So if we hear something interesting, we dive deeper and explore that. You say, wait a minute, who did you just say? Well, you know, the nephrologist. 
uh, is monitoring my patients for their, you know, kidney um, outcomes as well. So, you know, when we look at thinking about procedures, even though I'm a cardiologist, there's these other factors you need to think about. You're like, wow, well, that's interesting. And so now we may even say, gee, there's a new group of people we need to go talk to to learn more about this. So um, it's just like a good sales call where you're peeling back the layers of the onion, you're diving deeper and exploring, um, and your ultimate goal is you're trying to figure out what makes these people tick, you know, who are the ones that are involved, what's the problems that are product can solve for them, you know, why our solution might be better. You know, ultimately we need all this information so that we can create compelling value propositions, which of course is uh, one of the steps that we're going to talk about yep. uh, in our future podcast. Yep. So, so, um, so that, that dives into, you know, this, this first podcast of Aligning the corporation, uh, the company internally with the different stakeholders, departments, R&D, marketing, sales, clinical and medical affairs, and others that may be important in, in an individual company to understand what the commercialization process is going to be over the next 12 months, how their involvement is going to be critical. And by doing that too, you're getting buy-in, right? You're getting buy-in to the process. You're getting buy-in to um, how we're going to launch the sales organization. You minimize the friction internally to be able to do that. And that first step is this qualitative research. And as Thomas said on this call, and um, every time we talk, you know, light bulbs go on, but it's really about that launch of that, um, that first class of sales reps, you've tried to eliminate as many obstacles as possible, come up with as many answers um, that you can have to objections you're going to get and how to sell the value to this, you know, the stakeholders, the multi-headed customer. And um, it all starts with qualitative research at the beginning of launching a product. Um, Tom, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great summary, Jim. And, you know, um, just kind of the, the thing we know, you and I say this all the time, um, is, you know, check your, your 2001 ideas at the door when you're thinking about launching things in, in uh, 2022, you know. And so, you know, as you pointed out, it's, it's more challenging than ever and the expectations are higher than ever. Yep. So if we try to sort of wing it like, and maybe winging it worked in the past, but I think first of all, it never makes sense to wing it because why would you, you know, that's just really, you know, asking for trouble as they say. So, um, but I would argue that our environment and has changed so much that we need to change uh, as commercial people and organizations need to change in the importance they put on this, that it's, a, it's an initiative as important as getting the FDA and, um, and that, you know, uh, if you want to be successful in 2022, you probably not need to operate differently than you did 20 years ago. Yeah. And um, so to leave it with the Medical Sales Nation um, with this is Hopefully this helps you understand a little bit more about what you need to look into um, if you're deciding to go to a startup or a product launch, new business unit um, at a company. Um, you can ask these questions so you get a deeper understanding of how they thought of commercialization. And when it comes to founders and investors and thinking about this, challenging the status quo of that 2001 you know, ideas and ego at the door to 
make a much more um, uh, or a larger investment in that commercialization process earlier than later so that your sales ramp is successful walking out the door versus 12 months after a launch. And so um, with that, we will be back in the near future with the uh, next step in this process. And without further ado, good luck selling.